This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Today is one of my, my favorite of all time messages to share because this is very personal for me. I can honestly say that at one point in my life, I had no clue about this. And then at one point in my life, I got this. I don't feel like I've arrived. I feel like I'm on the way. Um, But I'm excited about today's message. We've been doing a series for the month of September. We're going to go right into the end of the month of October. And it's basically talking about some of those core kind of principles, concepts, cultural issues that are literally at the very core of what this church is. It's who we are. It explains the whys behind all the whats. It, it is a, uh, a, you know, if you can say it like this, it's our evaluation tool. It's how we evaluate ministries. It's how we evaluate what we do. It's how we evaluate decisions. Um, these uh, core concepts are at the very heart of this church. And so um, I'm going to carry on. This is week five. And, and at the very core of everything, I believe, uh, which is incredibly essential for any local church, is Jesus' kind of leadership. If you believe that, say amen. How many know that there are many examples in the world today, I'm not going to mention any names of anything current, but I'm sure you can guess, of examples of leadership around the world today that aren't very godly, that aren't very Jesus-like. And I don't know about you, but there's been a, a growing sense of... of frustration, not necessarily in a negative way, just in a righteous kind of way at looking around at some of the decisions that leaders, not only in this nation, are making in other nations and places around the world, but unfortunately I wish I could say that it stopped outside the doors of every church, but it doesn't. Some of these negative examples or these struggles actually have happened historically within the church. And what I want to do today is not to kind of talk about all of those things or to, to kind of process through whether it's positive experiences or negative experiences. That's on my heart today. What I want to do today is paint a picture to you of what a Jesus kind of leader looks like. That's it. So what I'm going to do. And what I want you to do is I want you to hear what I'm saying, take a personal inventory of your life, Throw up the mirror of God's word and say, do I live like that? And if I don't, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take one basic thought that you hear this morning, and I want you to work on that one thing. Just one. And then next year you can work on the second. And the year after that you can work on the third. Because that's basically what I've been doing for years. Oh, I miss it there. Okay, I've got to work on that. That's my goal this year is to work on that thing. Because how many know to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus as a human is pretty much impossible without the Holy Spirit? Come on. Okay, so we're all, we can all relate. But this Jesus kind of leadership is what I'm going to call servant leadership. It is completely foreign to pretty much anything else that you'll ever see in leadership in the world. And I want to just read a verse here in Matthew chapter 20, verses 28. And I'm actually going to read it from the Passion Translation. I like this. It says this. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. I love what John Maxwell says. John Maxwell is a Christian 
author, and he's, they call him the Christian leadership guru. He's got so many goodies regarding leadership. But this is what he said. He said, true leadership must be for the benefit of the followers, not to enrich the leader. When asked in a uh, podcast a number of years ago, he described leadership in one word. John Maxwell responded to a question. He said, if you could boil leadership down to one word, what would that word be? And he said, influence. And I like that. I think that's true. How many know that leaders not only have authority, but they have influence because of that authority? And so it begs the question for me, what does a Jesus-type leader influence people to do? What do they do? What are they influencing people towards? So in order to help kind of establish this thought and then build upon it, I want to start, if it's okay this morning, with a Jesus kind of leadership definition. Is that okay? So here it is. Feel free to take a picture of it on the screen or write it down, whatever you want to do. This is what I've landed on. I think it's good. It says this, leadership is helping people fulfill God's purpose for their life. So helping people is the servant part, right? God's purpose is the destination. I want to say this morning that destination when it comes to Christian leadership is what sets Jesus' kind of leadership apart from everything else. And I'll prove it to you this morning. Are you ready for this? Most people say that the true test or the true evidence or proof of leadership is how many people follow. And if that was the case, then Hitler would be one of the greatest leaders that have ever lived on the face of the planet. How many we know that's not true? He had many followers, but he was taking them to the wrong destination. So I want you to understand today that destination or where you are taking people to or where you are leading people to when it comes to Christian leadership is incredibly essential. That's why I love this definition. Leadership is helping people fulfill what? God's purpose. Their purpose? What I, the leader, want? No. God's purpose for their life. Some people think um, that they're leaders. Somehow people convince themselves that they're leaders. But when they're out walking, you know, and they realize that no one is following them, they have this kind of mind-blowing moment where they realize, well, maybe I'm not a leader like I think I am. So I want you to understand a couple things here. Just because you have a massive following doesn't make you a great leader. And just because you don't feel like you have anyone at this particular point following you doesn't mean God's not calling you to that. Because God is calling every single person on the planet to influence. And it doesn't mean you're going to have a title. Because godly leaders are more interested in having a towel than a platform. All right. What Sandra and I have joked around for the last number of years is the longer I'm in leadership, the more I don't want to be in leadership. Can I be real this morning? Because there's a weight and a burden that comes with it. But how many know the grace of God is just overwhelming and you just go, okay, Lord. But here's what I've realized in my journey. People that operate out of a servant leadership model actually are so blown away and humbled by it, they actually don't want it. 
but people who are desperate for position or platform or authority or a voice or a something is actually proof that you're not ready. Thud. Okay, moving right along. All right, all right, right, right. But there's another element of godly leadership that's in place here. It's not just that you're helping others. That's the servant part. It's not just that you are leading people towards God's purposes. That's the destination part. But it also involves vision. And I'm not just talking about what you hear in leadership books about having vision for your company and having, you know, vision and mission and values and core values and core statements and blah, 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 blah. And that's all good. I don't think it's wrong. But what I want you to understand is, is it's not just about vision for a group of people. Servant leaders have vision for the individual. Yes, they have vision for a group. Yes, they have vision for a movement, for sure. But they have vision for people, individually, around the world. They see people as God sees them. And as a result, they see the seed of greatness in that person that that person may never see. But they see it because they have vision from a servant's heart. Not only that, they believe in people. They visualize the potential and the destiny in people. And because of that, they also have the courage to correct. Because they believe in your destiny in God. And they know the speed bumps that you could trip over. And they're going to do everything they can to warn you about them. Because they actually love you. That's a servant leader. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He says, not everybody can be famous. But everybody can be great. Because greatness is determined by service. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. I love it. Jesus, long before Martin Luther King Jr. was around, Jesus made a statement similar to this. And I want to read it to you. It's found in Luke chapter 22. And Jesus wanted to find what greatness was in leadership to his followers. And this is what he said, starting at verse 24. He said, the disciples bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom of God. That's never happened, of course, to us on the earth today. That was a 2,000-year-old problem. That is never repeated ever again. Like we, we are not after as many followers or as many, you know, uh, likes. Or we're not after being on the front of a magazine cover, nothing like that. Do magazines even exist anymore? I don't even know. But, you know, it, it, we're, of course we're not about that, so we can just ignore that first part. Verse 25, Jesus interrupted their argument. Can I, can I share with you something that I've learned in my own life? Whenever Jesus interrupts you, it's never a good sign. I'm just telling you right now that if you are just busy going about your life and busy doing your thing and Jesus interrupts your life, it could be because you're not doing what he's asking you to do and you're not fulfilling God's purposes. So God brings in servant leaders to adjust your perspective and say, have you ever thought about that way? It's, it's the better way. How do you know? I've been there. Much better. 
That's not good. That's good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what we want. We want to go that way. So people comes in. Okay, so Jesus interrupts their argument saying, the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. Notice that Jesus doesn't confront the individual. He confronts the wrong mindset. You catch that? He didn't correct the person. He corrected the ideology. They are obsessed with how others see them. Uh Uh-oh, why? Because he just gave away their motivation. They're more interested, those types of leaders, in what they can get out of people rather than what they can give to people. Uh Uh-oh. But this is not your calling. Hmm. You will lead by a different model. Oh, I like this. It's getting good. The greatest one, here's the answer to their question. Who's the greatest? The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. And if I'm in the group of 12 that morning, I don't know about you, but I think there's at least one, probably 12, at least one, but probably 12 that looked at each other and went, are you sure we signed up for this? I didn't sign up for that. I thought we were going to become famous because of following this guy. And he went, if you want to be famous, you're asking the wrong question. But if you want to be great, this is how to do it. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. He goes on and explains what that means. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes. But in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. Am I not here with you as one who serves you? He's presenting a different model. He's saying... If you're going to lead or have influence in your life, then the greatest influencers in the world are those that use the towel. They serve. And many of you will know the story that a little later on, uh, and the book of John talks about this as well, where it literally says he washes their feet. And there's been a lot of people that are trying to understand that. But if you understand what it would be like to wear Birkenstocks 2,000 years ago without pavement, you will know that the most disgusting part of anyone's body was their feet. And Jesus said, I'm going to take the low road, and I'm going to clean what is most disgusting to prove to you the heart of leadership that I want you to live out. Why is this so important? Because the way that you think about something and the way that you see it will determine your attitude. So the way that you think about something or the way that you see it or perceive it is going to determine your attitude. And your attitude, well, what will it affect? It's going to affect your attitude towards yourself. It's going to affect the attitude towards those that you are leading. It's going to affect your attitude towards those that are leading you. And it's going to affect the attitude towards the Lord himself and how you think he should be leading you differently. Right? Got it? All right. Quick question for you, and I already know the answer, but it's kind of rhetorical, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and I want to say as I ask this question that I'm at the front of the list of this question, okay? Has anyone struggled to follow a leader because of a previous negative experience with a leader? Right. How many have ever come into a situation where you're like, I just wish I could get over that, I wish I could process through that? I want you to know this morning, I have stories I'm not saying they're better than your stories, but I, they could rival your stories as far as 
negative experiences with leaders, including in the church. And what hurt, I think, the most was that some of this happened within the church. But you want to know what Jesus' solution to that is? Servant leadership. Why? Because servant leaders are not motivated by reward. Servant leadership are not motivated by rulership. Servant leaders are not motivated by respect. They're only motivated by sacrificial giving. And I can honestly say, I think one of the reasons why Sandra and I have gone through some of the stuff that we've gone through and have got to the place in our lives where, we, where we've got to is because God has prepared us, not that we're perfect, because I think we're far from it, but to be an example of servant leadership to those that have been hurt by the church. But what's amazing is we're all on this journey together. I'm going to tell you why this is important. Servant leaders and servant leadership understands that serving is not a means of preparation. It is not something that you ever graduate from. And there are some people in the church world that have this mindset that the moment I'm in leadership, I no longer have to serve. And my response to you is, <laughs> no, 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 not here. <laughs> There's a lot of churches down the road. You can go there, but not here. Why? Because service is not what we do. Service is who we are. And at the very core of who we are needs to be Jesus shining through. And according to Jesus, the best leaders are the best servants. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I don't want to argue with him. So a godly leader at the very core of this church are people who are motivated to help others find God's purpose for their life. That's it. Okay? All right. So a Jesus type of leader, I'm going to kind of bring this in and share with you three basic thoughts regarding what a Jesus type of leader is. Hope it comes through loud and clear, but I'm going to start and I'm going to call this kind of thought one, that a rela relationally a Jesus type of leader has a father's heart. That doesn't mean you have to be male. <laughs> It means that you have to understand the Father heart of God and be a conduit of that to those that you serve and minister to. Amen? I love 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 15. This is uh, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, and he wanted to kind of help them understand who needs to be valuable in your life. And he said this, For although you could have countless babysitters in Christ, telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. But I'm a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus, the anointed one. So what is a father supposed to do? They guard. That's what they do. They guard. Acts 20, verses 28 to 31 says, So guard your hearts, be true shepherds over all the flock, and feed them well. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong to Jesus, the anointed one which he purchased and established by his own blood. I know that after I leave, imposters who have no loyalty to the flock will come among you like savage wolves. 
even some from among your very own ranks will rise up, twisting the truth to seduce people into following them instead of Jesus. So be alert and discerning. Remember that for three years, night and day, I've never stopped warning each of you, pouring out of my heart to you with tears. Fathers guard the house of God. There's um, There's this thought that is kind of, just been floating around the church for the last five to ten years. I, I don't think it's a bad thought. Um, I think at times this thought is a little off in its perspective. But people talk about finding a safe place. Have you ever heard that? Church should be a safe place. How many have ever heard that? Oh, come on. Yeah. How many agree with that statement? I do. That's not a trick question. <laughs> it's like people look at me, if I put up my hand... Will I be booted out of the church? (laughs) Is that bad? (laughs) No. Should church be a safe place? Okay. The problem is, is how do we go about that? And so I want you to understand, there's elements of servant leadership that don't sound like serving. (laughs) But there's something I learned in my own life about 20, uh, 20, 25 years ago. And here's how it went. God puts godly Jesus-type servant leaders in your life to help restrain sin. Because they guard your heart, it means they have to have certain conversations. They have to point certain things out. Have you ever thought about this? How's that going, right? But fathers guard the house of God and do everything that they can to make the house of God a safe place. Why? Because the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the enemy's goal. And actually one verse in this Acts 20 passage talks about and that there's people, imposters, that want to come in and what? Deceive the sheep. So how many know that deception is running rampant in the world today? There are thoughts and ideologies and I will even say doctrines of man that are being preached in churches today that have nothing to do with God. But it is a twisted version of truth. It's true-ish. A little bit of truth and a lot of something else. So what I want you to understand is that servant leaders guard the house. It's what they do. We're not afraid to ask certain questions. We definitely do not turn a blind eye to what is around us. We just don't. There are some days where I believe that I was called to be an ostrich, and that's what I would want to do. Stick your head in the sand and ignore what is going on around you. And when your head comes out of the sand, pray that there's no problems around you. Every pastor has believed God to be an ostrich at one point in their life. I have had that moment. And then Sandra goes and finds me in a dark room, curled up in a fetal position, turns the lights on and said, come on, get with it, be a man. And then I respond as quickly as she did, and I say, get behind me, Satan. And then she hits me. It's the worst. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But what I want you to understand is that servant leaders, even though their knees may be shaking and they are scared out of their mind to address an issue, will do it because they love people. 
And it's the motivation of the love of people that actually causes them to do it. All right. Second thought. Positionally, they have a servant's heart. Mark chapter 10, this is another version of of what we've already read, but it says, you are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. The path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. I love that. Matthew 23, similar passage, and it says this, The greatest among you will be the one who always serves others from the heart. Remember this, if you have a lofty opinion of yourself and seek to be honored, you will be humbled. But if you have a modest opinion of yourself and choose to humble yourself, you will be honored. So what is a servant supposed to do? They give. They give. But I'm going to go one step further. They just don't give. They give sacrificially. That's their heart. I want to read to you probably the most incredible passage of the difference between a servant leader and a worldly leader. And it's found in John chapter 10. I'm going to start verse 11. I'm going to go down to about verse 15. This is Jesus talking to his followers and describing himself as the obviously godly leader and contrasting it with um, people that he calls in the New King James a hireling. In this version, it's called hired hand. It's talking about somebody who's just there taking care of the sheep because they were hired, not necessarily because they felt the love and a motivation to do it. I'm sure you've met people in your journey of life, whether it's business professionals or, you know, people that you deal with, maybe even a dentist, a doctor, whatever, where you can tell that they love what they do because they care about people. And then there's other people you can tell that they should have done something else. Right? I'm sure we've all met them. How many have ever had a teacher that you, ever, you always wanted to emulate? And how many have a list of at least 10 that you never want to see ever again in your life? Mr. Austin, grade 11, math. R.S. McLaughlin, Collegiate and Vocational Institute, Oshawa, Ontario, 625 Stevenson Road West. And I'm not bitter. And I have dealt with that yesterday before I preached today so that my heart was right when I did this message. And thankfully, he has passed on to glory so that he will never hear this message ever posted on impactkingston.com ever in his life. But he should not have been a teacher. And you know what happens when we get around leaders that should not have been a leader? We make a vow to never become like them and go to the opposite extreme and actually become somebody that God's not called us to be, but we make a vow to be the opposite. And number two, out of frustration, we actually become like them over time. So whatever we hold in our heart regarding leadership is eventually what we start to become like. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a massive secret for me this morning. My heart's prayer this morning is that if you've come in, and when I asked that question earlier, do I struggle with leadership because of a negative past experience with another leader? I am praying and believing God that this week will be the final week that those people have influence in the way that you think, act, and talk ever again. Because... God wants to put people in your life to help you fulfill God's purposes for your life and to have influence in your sphere, uh, uh, your sphere, because that's God's heart. Amen? 
Amen. Good point. Okay. John 10. Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's a good start. The hired hand is not the shepherd. Just in case you were, there's any confusion, it's a different guy. Okay. And does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So what in the world is the motivation of a Jesus kind of leader? It is to sacrificially give. Why? Because if you truly love someone, sacrificial love is a normal byproduct. It's not something you have to work up. Why is this important? Because it says here that the hired hand flees. Why? Because he does not want to be at risk personally. He doesn't want his skin to be in the game. As long as it's easy and I'm getting my payment, I'm good. And Jesus goes, that's not how kingdom leadership works. Okay? A hired hand is only there for what they can get. A servant leader is there for what they can give sacrificially to people, knowing that every decision and everything that they do is pushing them one step closer towards the purpose and plan of God for their life. That's a servant leadership. Servant leaders are never motivated by external rewards. Ever. There's a scary verse in the Bible, and when I was in my younger years, I thought this was, like, I thought it was not there. I wanted to admit to myself somehow mentally that this verse is not in the Bible and I just skip it, like I get to one verse, and then I know it's the next verse, and I skip over it and keep going to the next. How many have ever had a pick and choose me gospel moment? I don't, I pick that one, I don't like that one, I pick that one, I don't like that one, that one's good, that one's bad. So there's this verse in the New Testament, it says, unless a seed falls to the earth and dies, it'll bear no fruit. And I remember reading that, and then I asked a pastor friend of mine, can you explain to me what that means, because I have no clue. And then he explained it to me, and as soon as he was describing this verse to me, mentally I was not there. I was looking at him, but mentally this is what was going on. All right, there's one of those verses I will never read again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to look at that. And here's what happens. Here's what happens for servant leadership. Servant leaders understand that they want life working in others at the cost of death working in them. Why? Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's what I've learned in the last 11 years. Cameron, it's not about you. Cameron, it's really not about you. Cameron, it's not about you. And then you get reminded through different circumstances and experiences that it's really not about you. 
How many have ever had a moment where you just want that one moment where someone acknowledges what you did publicly? If they just say, wow, Cameron was such a blessing, and I don't know where I'd be without Pastor Cameron. He's the best. I love his dad jokes. And he's so godly and so wonderful and so amazing, and I just want to be like him when I grow up. And inside you're going, yeah! And the Holy Spirit saying, die! And you're like, no! <laughs> it's like hearing for the first time, Luke, I am your father. No! That's what goes through your mind. And you're looking at me like you've never thought it, but you have. And you know it. And there's going to be an altar call for liars after the, the, I'm kidding, all right. But you understand that there's something inside of you that says, oh, I just wish, you know, they would, you know, mention me. Because, you know, there's so much that I did. And here's what I've realized. Heavenly reward is more valuable to a servant leader than earthly recognition. So now my conversations with God go a little different. Go like this. So how big's my jewel? There. So I get really big jewels in my crown? I like purple. Purple's good. And then he comes back and goes, Die! And I'm like, no! You know? But you have to understand that servant leadership is the way of death. Jesus came with one purpose, to die. Because sacrificial love demanded death. And I am praying, honestly, that I become that type of person. I'm not there yet. And I'm praying that each of us, in our own walks with God, allow servant leaders to come in and to help see the place that God has for you. And that you have a vision for something beyond yourself. So how do we do that? I want you to catch verse 15. I love this verse. It's kind of the hidden jewel in this little section. And it says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It was relationship with the Father that motivated sacrificial love. To the depth of his relationship with the Father, was the depth of his understanding of what it would take to lay his life down for others. And what's amazing about this is that we're not exempt as the church. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. And because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. Do you want to know why Jesus chose the servant leadership model because he understood that love inspired giving motivates a person to respond and change how many have ever had someone you don't know very well say something very truthful to you that you knew was right 
but because you didn't have relationship, you got a little offended, a little back up to them. You know what I'm saying? But there's something about relationship that opens a door for a conversation that you know you need, but you welcome. Sheep are, interestingly enough, just like children. Sheep, which is what the Bible describes the church as, children thrive on love, care, and concern. They thrive on that, even in correction. We've had lots of opportunities in our house. When you've got five kids, trust me, we've had lots of opportunities. So what is sacrificial love? Well, it's giving to others needs without having, as my motive, personal reward. It's giving out of what you do not have. In other words, if you give out of your abundance, it's simply charity. But if you give out of your necessity, it's sacrifice. Okay? Selfless commitment or being committed to the success of others. That's what's describing sacrificial love. It's personal concern for an individual. It's faithfulness. In other words, it's sticking with them and sticking to them even when they're going through a very bad moment. And even when they're acting in a very ungodly way. Can, you, can I get an amen? Loyalty means that you maintain your commitment no matter what. Something that's obviously lacking in our culture today. It's gentleness, it's patience, it's forgiveness. Third thought is this, and then I'm going to come in for a little landing here. Functionally, they have a shepherd's heart. Psalm 78 verses 52 to 54 says this, But he led his own people like a flock of sheep, guiding them safely through the wilderness, He kept them safe so that they were not afraid, but the sea covered their enemies, and he brought them to the border of his holy land, to the land of hills he had won for them. So what is a shepherd supposed to do? They guide. Shepherds guide, most importantly, as servant leaders by example. 1 Peter 5 says this, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must. In other words, there's no external reward here, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never, ever fade away. Leonard Ravenhill, if you ever want to read books on the revival, I'm telling you right now, he will stir up your life. Leonard Ravenhill said this, a true shepherd leads the way. He does not merely point the way. He leads the way. One interesting dynamic about sheep, and please don't take this personally, is they actually have no sense of direction, like zero. You know, when you see these pictures of sheep just wandering aimlessly, that's what they do, and that's why they need a shepherd, to kind of bring them back together and bring them in line, you know, that kind of thing. But godly servant leaders always have the mindset that we want to lead our sheep to really good pasture really good, safe pasture with really good grass. In other words, good, healthy teaching. Things that are going to build you up and help you get over those issues and struggles in life and to actually become that healed whole person that Jesus has always envisioned you to become. I love what Frank DiMaggio said. He's the chairman of our fellowship that we're a part of, and he said this, pulpits are not for preachers, they're for shepherds because it's not about taking yourself somewhere, it's about taking others somewhere. Remember our leadership definition. Leadership is helping people fulfill God's purpose for their life. Jesus was that greatest servant of all. He served lovingly. He served obediently. 
he served humbly. That was his heart's cry. Well, my heart's cry is very simple. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything to you that you probably haven't already picked up on. At the end of the day, we have for 11 plus years done everything we can possibly do to let people know this is our goal. <laughs> you want to have influence in this church, this is our goal. We want to see a father's heart, shepherd's heart, a servant's heart. We want to see sacrificial love. It's willing to lay down our lives. One of the things that I've learned even preparing this matches this week and going through my notes and stuff is this idea that serving is actually one of the greatest proofs that you love Jesus. To say that we serve, but, or to say we love Jesus, and there's no serving element coming out of our lives, is just doesn't make sense. But what's interesting is that serving or service is multifaceted. It's taking that extra 10 minutes at Walmart when someone's talking to you. Even though you know you got to be somewhere, so sending that quick little text to say, hey, I'm going to be 15 minutes late, and you pray for that person, whether it's at that Battersea Pumpkin place or whether it's, Teresa, what did you share this morning, and whether it's somebody else that you've run into, it's like, doesn't matter. It's taking that moment to say, hey, how can I serve you? How can I be Jesus to you in this moment? One of the things that I've realized about service and servant leadership is that the greatest servants are those that are absolutely comfortable being inconvenienced. Because it's going to happen all the time. Amen? Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 